This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good morning, welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. Um, I'm Caroline Keek. Um, today I'm joined by Kat Caccini um, to discuss the report on the impact of teaching on personal relationships. So, listen in and um, let us know what you think. Um, give us some tweets or some messages, and, and we'll get into it. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out, with Teachers Talk Radio. morning um welcome to teach start radio so um i caught up with kat caccini um many of you know her from uh, rise magazine she's a former teacher um and she's just done a report on the impact of relationships um if you're a teacher so um the official report is called the impact of teaching on relationships and i just wanted to have a quick discussion with her about what was going on with that um so if you don't know her, you can find her at really school um and i figured we'd record this one um so um i'm just gonna give you a bit of the interview and just let us know kind of what you think we discuss all kinds in this one um what it's like to be a teacher what it's like to manage your workload how your friends see it how your family see it and what kind of the constraints and things we can change to to help people have good meaningful relationships uh, outside of the the school with the people that they care about um alongside a, a teaching workload which can be quite intense so um i'm hoping you enjoy this um it'll come in two parts so um let's start with part one report i won't give you kind of like the big um rundown of the bio because i'm pretty sure that i can i can put one together that will hopefully do you justice in the beginning of the show for the simple reason that if if you if you don't know cat where have you been do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, where have you been? Um, editor of Rise Magazine, uh, part of Net Support, just all round wonderful person. So um, I'll give you the breakdown at the beginning, I'm sure. But um, I wanted to get you on um, to talk about this report that you've just launched, um, the impact of teaching on personal relationships. Um, it's just come out by Net Support. If you've not read it, go see it. Um, read it thoroughly because it has some incredible statistics in it so um, I know a little bit about this because I was in the early stages of this when I think me and Kat along with a lot of the the RISE members who have been contributing to RISE magazine had like a brief discussion in our our Twitter thread didn't we about do personal relationships get affected by teaching and I went the really crass route of saying do you, does your sex life get affected by teaching and put yeah, out a Twitter poll? Yeah, and like, how did that go? And um, it, it came back overwhelmingly, yes. And I, I said to Kat, this is something that maybe you should look at because it, it looks like it's a big deal. Um, yeah. And Kat being just absolutely amazing, just took the took it by the horns and just ran with it. So tell us, how, how did you first find getting into that um, 
that that area and how did you first kind of get your hooks into this you know and and how did it go for the simple reason that the report is just brilliant um and it has it it does give a whole bunch of kind of really interesting things going on in teaching i think that we really need to reflect on as a profession so how did you first find it trying to get us all to talk about our personal relationships yeah, well, it was really interesting. I was actually really surprised how open everyone was in the contributors group initially, which kind of, I think, was really sparking the fuel for the fire of actually starting this report. Yeah. And then um, I did a, so I did an anonymous poll on Twitter, because I kind of figured if you take kind of that, like that, I started speaking to teachers about their experiences to get a bit more understanding and looking into, like, generally teacher well-being, stress, all that kind of stuff to find what those pressure points were and put it all together um as well as I was really eager that we needed to get some action points in there as well so again went back to experts for that because it has to change the results are quite frightening to be honest <laughs> yeah I mean it's a, it's an incredibly just just frightening report it's it's like you know the the numbers are just outstanding do you know what mm. I mean? It's like eighty percent of us saying teaching has negatively impacted our personal relationships in such a yeah. wide demographic as well, and, and and such a massive poll. And you you mm. kind of dig down into to some of the the reasons that you think this. Um, mm. I mean, do you want to have a brief discussion? As I said, please do read the report about what what came out about what are the reasons for these uh, kind of negative impacts on teachers in the personal relationships. Yeah, so there were a few things. So one of the key drivers really was stress, um, but there were specific areas that were mentioned more than others for this. So things like excessive workload, uh, demands from managers, struggling to get that work-life balance and lack of trust from management as well. Um, that was all really kind of key in it. And then the kind of the burnout aspects. And then you've got actual mental health beyond that. So you've got your anxiety, depression, all of these things negatively impact on relationships and unfortunately can be quite prevalent in teaching. I mean, we're looking at 77% of teachers, according to the Teacher Wellbeing Index, said they've experienced behavioural, psychological or physical symptoms due to their work. So that's quite huge. And then over half is considered leaving the profession due to their mental health and wellbeing. Um, but on top of that, because teaching is such a, it's kind of, it's such a passion profession. And the people that get into it, obviously, really care about education um, and really understand the importance of it in the lives of pupils. There's a real attachment there and an emotional investment. Um, and that can cause that kind of stress that impacts on relationships as well. It's a lot harder to find that balance, that cutoff point um, to really prioritise those relationships when you're struggling with that and when you're becoming you know carers on top of teachers as well yeah I mean it was um I I had this moment where I kind of uh initially brought it up because I'd looked at it and I thought to myself you know when when I stopped teaching full-time I went to kind of Mm. part-time and supply and it was when I brought my daughter back from Iceland most of you would know if you Mm. listen to me I'd ship mine out to Iceland and I I had this dawning realization that for the entire time that I led GCSEs my daughter was out of the country (laughs) and I thought to myself could I could I have done it you know and being you know as you know an autistic ADHD teacher is it's Mm. hard enough as is and 
I really yeah. felt like when I first started teaching, I couldn't do great parenting and great teaching. Mm. Not as an RTAD teacher, it was just so intense. And obviously, I wasn't diagnosed then, so I didn't know a lot of the kind of support that I needed. And Which, of course, it, doesn't help. No, it doesn't help, obviously, at all. And I just felt like the pressure was just so great. At one point, mm. I was like, I can't parent well. <laughs> I can't do this job and parent well. And um, mm. obviously, I'm lucky that we're all a very good family. And it was around the time that we were considering sending Aurora over there. So I sent yeah. her out and um, thought, I'll bring her back you know, for the for the A-levels, they can have the high school years. So, and that helped a little, but then yeah. I do find that uh, as consequence, uh, the work just became your life. And it mm. was just, you know, every single aspect of your life in its entirety, it's just dominated yeah. when you're leading a department. It's just non-stop. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and that can become an excuse as well. So if there are issues within your relationships, you then kind of get the opposite thing where people are kind of purposely de- de- diving more into their work. It's like yeah. an escapism. So, yeah, you know, I it did. can get really unhealthy. And I think that's exactly what happened. Instead, it was like, God, I'm really struggling. I can't do any of this. I'm so exhausted. Mm. I'm dying. I'm going to have to make some hard choices that then I made yeah. that then I wasn't really happy about. I I wasn't happy about it at all and uh, and instead uh, uh, I kind of chalked her up and turned back up but then I threw myself into my work because then it was Mm. like well you know if you're going to do this you better make it worth it and you know it it just burned me out in the end and Mm. you know and and then my diagnosis came about so I understood what was much better for maintaining a you know a healthy Mm. lifestyle for me you know now now I'm kind of I have a good work-life balance um Mm. and I I don't get me wrong I I love to teach I do Mm. um and I love to teach kids and I I love doing a good job of it but I I just find for me it's just so intensive to do it full-time I just can't manage it to be honest especially when you are in those leadership positions it just becomes oh it's hard and I think for me when we hit COVID Mm. oh that that was just that was it then it was yeah that's been a huge and at that point I'd I'd already dropped down into part-time and then at that point I'm kind of made the decision now that this this you've got to kind of step back from this and then maybe Mm. consider just supply and it was like, yeah. and I took the time for myself during those years, but I kind of, you, you inevitably feel the guilt about it all, don't you? Mm. You know, there's so much guilt at stopping or leaving teaching. I really mm. wish we didn't That's that. really hard as well. That just adds to the pressures, doesn't it? I think, I really wish we wouldn't um, do mm. that, I think, because... To be honest, for teachers like me, who are like, you know, really on the spectrum, it's like, sometimes I do need to take, like, time out. And that doesn't mean I won't go back. Or it doesn't mean that I won't part-time, or it doesn't mean that I won't supply. It doesn't mean, you know, there's not a there's not a month that since I've left, you know, my last school that I haven't been in a classroom. So, you know, to be honest, I just feel like I wish we'd normalise those kinds of breaks a bit more. Yeah, I think they just need to be more flexible, don't we? And also kind of look at roles in different ways. Stop kind of focusing on like the ladder approach for yeah. progress and think about different ways that people can be involved in education. Yeah. Um, you know, that flexible working is really missing. It's that, you know, you're here every day, term time, everything's got to be done. That's that. And it's just this constant like on off, on off. Yeah. And you can't really switch off because it's just too 
it's too sudden you need time to process during your actual breaks I mean I was really lucky I had a great school so when I did my mm. when I went to part-time I could uh, I had opportunities to be able to kind of work elsewhere in the in the days that I was off so that I could kind of just get a break from the the teaching grind and do other things for my professional development which was wonderful for me but also I just found that you know having having the part-time the problem is with that is that then is it part-time you know what I mean because mm -hmm. that's the other thing that you know you you drop into part-time because you're really struggling to manage the full-time and it's burning you out and then you drop yeah. into part-time thinking and really it's a full-time job just with part-time mm -hmm. pay and you yeah know, that can happen that as well I think. yeah of course um so I think you know you've kind of got to be really firm about you know part-time hours if you are going part-time um but yeah. i will suggest if you can afford to because i know cost of living is killing everybody so fundamentally yeah. many don't have that luxury but if you no. can and you're finding it, it i found it really good for me to kind of readdress my life um yeah and then and then actually enjoy teaching again mm. um because yeah because it should be enjoyable it yeah. should be the best job a lot of people do really enjoy it as well and it shouldn't be that people have to leave to have a work-life balance or you know have to work part-time if people want to that's great but it should be more manageable and well we shouldn't have to part. yeah for our own mental health it shouldn't be a thing where we have to leave to go part-time yeah you know that's that's a frightening mm. reality when a lot of us say that yeah um and I, I just think sometimes you you look at it and you think to yourself what 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 can I possibly do it just mm. I think you know, there's not a teacher alive that I don't know that's not cried in a bathroom somewhere. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Or been upset in a corridor or had a complete mm. freak out. I had a freak out just before I left. It was like, you know, and a bad one because I'd just been diagnosed as autistic and then everything mm. just came upon me and it was just awful. And it's yeah. like, we've all had bad days, bad weeks. Mm. But I think for me, sometimes it... Um, it becomes, you know, a bad month, you know, a, yeah, a bad six right, months. <laughs> and then you yeah. kind of like, this this is not working. This isn't just a bad day at all. This is like, no. I'm so exhausted, I can't stand this. And I remember some yeah. of the first years that I did it, you know, this is specifically for all you NQTs out there, honest to God, mm. if you're feeling it, I, I can totally and utterly understand you. Oh yes. <laughs> Go and find resources and use other expert teachers' resources. Do not sit there trying to create it all yourself. Um, and a lot yeah. of the push <laughs> when I first started teaching was you've got to create everything yourself. Mm. And like, and you know, that's what makes you. Uh, I mean, I look back now and laugh at some of the stuff that we did then. But like, yeah. you know, that was the push, and you know, you create things and you individualize it and you carousel it, and you know what I mean. Mm. And like, everything is like you know this wonderful experience of teaching and it's not just the the content or the knowledge rich it's you know thinking every single detail i had times on my lesson plan <laughs> do you know what i mean it was I like i remember having to get times on as well which was just bonkers because bonkers. how can you know how long you're going to spend on something what if the kids don't get it or they whisper it or they no and then you have the work. dual problem of if you stick to time then it's what opportunity did they get to expand and if yeah. you don't stick to time, it's well, you didn't quite follow your lesson plan. And it's like, oh, oh my God, go away. But yeah. I like, I remember doing that and being an NQT exhausted. Mm. I was so exhausted. Yeah. Like, I was just so exhausted. Yeah. And I remember saying to my fellow NQTs, 
like because I was older when I did teach training and I come from industry I was like this is mm. madness <laughs> like I can't do this yeah. this is mad I remember saying to all of them why don't we just all have one giant google drive and we just all yeah. upload all of our resources to one giant google drive mm. together and then that way we don't have to keep reinventing the wheel exactly and we literally did that for years in the beginning and i remember a newbie teacher um who had who had trained with i remember it was about six months after and i was in my qts year and they turned around and said i can't face going into school tomorrow i can't face planning i can't face doing this anymore i've had enough i can't face it i've got this amount of planning to do and i just can't face this any longer i've planned non-stop every day for like the last three months and i've still not got yeah. this gcse right and i was like right what is it you're trying to plan and it was like this mm. unit and i was like i have one take it mm. <laughs> and literally and yeah. i think it just she said later on to me it just saved her just not mm. having to immediately quit teaching and you yeah. know this is why i think you know things like moving away from this idea that you've got to do it all yourself Mm. and that we can't share resources we can't things like oak or you can't use stuff that's online or that you can't mm. use others expertise uh, that has been a great form shift since i first started yeah, teaching it definitely improved, so it's it's changed a lot but i think there are certain things that just do put pressure on you as a teacher mm. yeah absolutely you? and uh, have the you know in this report you talk a bit about mm. the difference between personal relationships and um like your partner and your kids mm. or your family or your friends you know can yeah. you tell us a bit more about what kinds of things you found in there yeah so that was really interesting so we kind of found that generally most of the respondents said that all of their or a mixture of their personal relationships were being affected but then when we looked at like intimate relationships we had about 73 percent of teachers that said it had specifically impacted on a relationship with like a partner or um another kind of intimate relationship like that um which is huge and i guess it makes sense because if they're kind of your your closest person in life they're the one you're coming home to bringing all that stress home with you you know and I think it does also link to the survey that you did as well yeah. um which is mentioned in there too because obviously it's that kind of that physical side of the relationship too yeah you know in it's that pure case, exhaustion yeah it's just I'm too exhausted do you know and I think you yeah. probably see this especially if you've got teacher couples or you teacher couples out there please let us know for this one couples how does that work please send me mm. private dms me or cat tell us how does your personal relationship or your intimate relationship work if you're both mm. teachers because like yeah. yeah i'm married to an academic as you know so they understand mm. how hard this is do you yeah. know what i mean yeah. so I mean, it's good from the understanding perspective so. but i'd probably say it's bad from the time perspective because yeah. honestly sometimes it'll be like we will work so much and then be like mm. when did we last see each other i don't mm. know we've been yeah, in a planning hall for like how long yeah. when did yeah. we do when did we last go out we don't mm. know and it, yeah there's some acceptance there that they understand the, the constraints mm. of the job um but you know even my husband will turn around and say i would do your job if you paid me all the money in the world cause you know what yeah. i mean and it's like yeah and he'll come in and do things with me in schools we went up to matt jessup's school not so long ago and he was like how mm. do you do this every day how do you do mm. this every day it was like, 
And, you know, that's with somebody with, you know, just a mild bit of understanding. But if you've got yeah. a, somebody who's in a completely different, you know, a completely different mm. role, you know, working a nine to five that they can put down, I, mm. I do not know how that would go. That um, is difficult. I mean, it was like kind of like my, with my husband, that was difficult for him to understand. Because it was like, but you're finished, like, you yeah. finish work. Like, you don't know. haven't finished work. No. Because work's never actually finished. <laughs> no. um, that's hard. And then I think it's those, those crunch times can be difficult as well for people. So, you know, like when you've got the kind of the, you're coming up to your data deadlines or yeah. like it's start or it's the first term, just the first half term, um, it's ridiculous. And it's just, I'm just like trying to kind of get someone to wrap their head around at those times, just somehow a million times worse for work is, um, yeah, I mean, you, you eventually notice kind of like the break points, don't you? You know, that first week back, mm. oh, nobody wants to do anything or be thinking about anything other than work that first week back, you know, and, yeah. and various aspects across the year, you know, when you hit GCSEs, mm. when you hit various times, you know that it's going to crunch. But I think, you know, um, I think it becomes uh, you know, overly hard to manage, I think, mm. and manage your time. Eventually, I did get much better at it you know mm. over time um I, yeah. I don't tend to work past five now i tweet oh. past yeah, five that's really good. <laughs> i'll tweet past five and i tweet about yeah. education stuff past five but <laughs> i won't yeah, work work yeah. yeah i won't work work if it will not fit yeah. between nine three to five um mm. you know be, because I'm, I'm autistic and i've got adhd mm. the downtime is so important because it prevents burnout yeah. so i cannot afford to do it so, do you feel like you're actually more productive in that time as well because you've limited yourself? Yeah. Because yeah. I think that does actually help because you're a lot less obviously tired. You haven't yeah. got that burnout feeling. You're like you're in the perfect position to be able to do your best work. Yeah, yeah. And I'll I'll show you. You know, hit tips for both of us. This is this is the first week. You know, the first week's back in January, so mm. we're in planning stages now. And you know, this is mine hung up on the wall of things Caroline needs to do list so yeah. you know I'm, I'll make a direct list this is my husband's to-do list do you know what yeah. I mean and basically we make we make two big lists that we put on yeah. kind of you know note and, and clipboards so we can see them mm. and then we basically yeah. keep them in the office and then it goes on the list and then things get ticked off the list as they're done and then when yeah. they are done the list gets put down and if the list is down you don't think about it you don't go back um, to it. You don't pick it up. You don't do anything with it, it. because yeah. it, it it then restricts the time. And you don't have this thing, I think, with me where, um, or, or anybody else like me, where things mull around in your head and you worry that you've forgotten them. Um, do you know what I mean? That you worry you're not going to do them. Yeah. Or did I do that? Or I can't remember whether I did that. Or no, it just um, it goes on the list. When the list is yeah. empty, you write the new list. Yeah. <laughs> so that's simple. it. That's it. That's the method. Very true. And we have, a, um, and I'll tweet it later, we have a very big family planning board in the hall mm. that is incredibly structured for, for everybody in the house and basically mm. consists of one, like, giant, like, whiteboard planner with a dates and then a to-do list for cars that says mm. cars Monday through Friday and then Aurora Monday through Friday because there's two ADRTs mm. in the house and then basically yeah. has the things that need done so that yeah. when we see them we see them on a regular basis so we don't mm. forget them so that's how i knew yeah. i had our meeting today. and obviously you get that feeling where you get to tick it off and be able to like yeah. say you know to I'm your done brain, with that. like it's done like, yes physically done yeah it's, it's done. done you don't have to do yeah. that anymore 
and also for, I find this helpful for that definitely. yeah I'll tweet it so you can see it but also because then I don't have to continuously think about it because every time I walk past yes. the board it's like oh that is there I wrote that down yeah I don't have to think yeah. about this anymore. You don't have to think about it. It's there when you need to look at it's it. It's there yeah. when I need to look at it. And it is well for me because I forget things all the time. If mm. I don't if I, I don't have to worry that all of that is retained within me mm. because then everybody in the house checks the board. So <laughs> so uh, on a Sunday there comes this conversation where it's like, what's going on this week? And then it's yeah. like, this week we are doing da-da-da-da-da and whatever's on the board gets then shoved into you know mostly uh, my other half's brain or you know somebody's <laughs> and then everybody reminds each other every day what's going on today yeah. so then that yeah. way you're not kind of dropping the ball but it means that when we come in we have an instant routine of you put on your slippers mm. when you come in and then mm. once they're on the rest of the world does not exist <laughs> that's yeah. it it's gone that's it. it's gone slippers are on your feet the day is oh, over yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good to me. Uh, and I think um, that's helped me manage and divide the line between mm. work and life. Um, yeah. Because for me, it's very easy for me um, to, you know, and it's it's unfortunately easy, I guess, for me to get like mm. into doing something. You know, I'll be yeah. into like planning this module that you know I'm doing, or mm. planning this computer thing I'm doing coming up, or planning, you know, a whole bunch of work for you know when I'm going into schools, or planning mm. stuff for my PhD, and I'm sat there coding, and I'll come upstairs to this is my home office, but I'll come mm. upstairs to it, or I'll go into my office at the university, or go into school. Mm. And I'll start, and then 15 hours later, I'll finish. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, and I'll, I did it a couple of weeks back ago when I was working on something. I got promptly told mm. off because it was like, I started it, and then I started the work, and then I got in the flow of it. So then it was like, I'll mm. carry on. But then I stood up, and I'd forgotten to, um, I'd forgotten that I was sat. I tend to sit in a position with my, my leg underneath my foot, and I've mm. been sat on my leg. Deep in the needles. <laughs> yeah, and I stood up and fell over. Oh. And then Mark was like, did you, did you like sit, did you sit there for like that whole time, Kaz? And I was like, mm. because I left you at seven and it's now like 9 p.m. Mm. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, did you, did you eat? And I was like, no. And he was like, mm. did you go to the bathroom? And I was like, uh, I can't remember. I don't think I did. Mm. And he was like, oh, just... Uh, which is why for for me it's specifically but I think they apply generally mm. to everybody you know you get into yeah. the zone and yeah. you start work um mm. sometimes you can just carry on and carry on and carry on and carry on because the oh, work definitely. is endless in teaching you know yeah. next thing you know and I think it's because it's never finished and yeah. there's like there's always something to do so sometimes it's very hard to be able to just say that's enough yeah yeah and I think sometimes you can do it and you do it you know a a lower version all neurotypical skill things that neuro that's a timer on your phone that basically lets you grow little trees so you get to grow mm. little trees if you do hours work. So you get mm. a tree that grows over the hour, but then at the end of the hour, it stops you. And then mm. it's like, oh, okay, so you can just keep track of how long you've been on things. And mm. actually, it's really not good to be kind of like... Mm. 
so um i'm stopping you there i've just tweeted out my app and a few polls to ask us a few questions regarding you know what's going on with teaching and your personal relationships so you know if you want to go check that out you can do um and we're just going to go to the news before we go back to me and cat discussing how to manage that workload the best that you can this show is brought to you in partnership with John Katz Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Strike action dominates the news again, with a range of outlets reporting on disputes across England, Wales and Scotland. Whilst the NASUWT union reported 9 out of 10 teachers who voted in a ballot overpay, voted in favour of strike action in England and Wales, the union also reported only a 42% turnout. This is below the threshold needed for lawful strike action. The union stated that whilst a strike would now not go ahead, the union remains in formal dispute with the government. The NEU is yet to release the results of its ballot and will also need to reach the 50% member turnout needed for lawful industrial action. In Scotland, the Scottish Secondary Teachers Association has warned of further strike action following walkouts by primary and secondary staff. It says it has no option unless the Scottish Government puts forward a suitable pay offer. The EIS Union and Scottish NASUWT members also aim to continue with strike action until an agreement is reached. Scottish Education Secretary Shirley Ann Somerville maintains that the demand for a 10% pay rise continues to be unaffordable. Meanwhile, the University and College Union has announced 15 new strike days planned across 150 UK universities in February and March. It has said that a pay offer worth between 4 and 5% made during recent talks is not enough, although the group representing university employers says that the offer is actually worth up to 7%. This comes after the government announced that tuition fees in England will be frozen for another two years. Although this is good news for students, the strikes mean more disruption to courses already affected by the pandemic. However, the National Union of Students has been broadly supportive of the industrial action, at least so far. Away from strike action, there have been further stories focusing on what should be taught in schools. This time, the focus is on educating pupils in the dangers of social media in spreading messages that are misogynistic and deeply toxic. The HuffPost website reports on Labour MP Alex Davy-Jones, who called in Parliament for ministers to do more to stamp out Andrew Tate-style misogyny and to stop boys being brainwashed. The MP asked what was being done to tackle radicalisation of young men. But PM Rishi Sunak responded that he was proud that this government launched the world-leading, world-first online safety bill. He also made reference to the autumn statement announcement of £2 billion of extra funding to schools. Although he did not respond with any direct reference to Tate, the online safety bill is expected to complete its final stages in the Commons shortly, before heading to the House of Lords. 
New figures released recently show that school absences in December were almost double the annual rate and that this was due to illness. The absence rate, as reported in the Evening Standard, was 14.3% across state schools in the week beginning December the 12th, an increase from 7.8% across the year. The Department for Education in England said the increase was due to a rise in sick days as a result of winter illnesses such as flu, as well as COVID-19 and strep A infections such as scarlet fever. In the Channel Island of Jersey, BBC News reports that the government has brought in 11 UK supply teachers to cover for absent staff. The short-term and long-term measures have been put in place due to staffing shortages and the supply teachers will cover for up to two terms. Short-term housing has been organised for those travelling to the island. The Jersey government said the current vacancy rate for Jersey was 4.3%, but that the long-term plan was to train, recruit, retain and upskill school staff. Finally, the Meanwhile in the Middle East section of the CNN website reports on the United Arab Emirates' plan to become the first Arab nation to teach about the Holocaust in its schools. The move has been praised by some and criticised by others. The nation revealed its plans in a recent tweet and intends to include Holocaust education in both primary and secondary schools. The UAE says it will work with Tel Aviv and Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Memorial Museum in Jerusalem, to help build the new curriculum. Whilst many see the move as part of the normalisation of relations with Israel, critics suggest that it does not reflect all of those living in the UAE, with many disagreeing with this policy. Full details of the story can be found on the CNN website, with comments on both sides explored in detail. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, let's start the new year with investigating the power of artificial intelligence in education. A lot of people are asking, does your school block chat GPT? First of all, what is it? Chat Generative Pre-Trained Transformer, or GPT for short, is a piece of software designed to mimic talking to a person. The difference is, this person is super clever, and it's been trained by thousands of conversations in the past, and it remembers them all. There are lots of chatbots out there. GPT is popular with young people as the answers it gives are not only correct, but can be slightly different each time, so it's more difficult for a teacher to spot a copy and paste homework. Let's put it to the test with a couple of school questions. I'm using a screen reader to represent ChatGPT to give it a voice. Responses are usually in text and appear as if they're being typed really quickly. I asked, what are the registers in a processor? And I got... Registers are a type of memory that is built into the central processing unit, CPU, of a computer. They are used to store data and instructions that the CPU needs to access quickly in order to perform its functions. There are different types of registers, each with a specific purpose. For example, the instruction register stores the current instruction that the CPU is executing, while the program counter register stores the address of the next instruction to be executed. I'll stop GPT there as three paragraphs were given in this answer, and it's only a one or two mark question. So I asked, can you tell me in two sentences? And I got... Registers are small, high-speed memory units built into the central processing unit, CPU, of a computer that are used to store data and instructions. They allow the CPU to access and manipulate data and instructions quickly, enabling it to carry out complex tasks at high speeds. Well, thank you, GPT. That's much more to the point. Powerful, right? How about, can you summarise Of Mice and Men? Of Mice and Men is a novella by John Steinbeck, published in 1937. It tells the story of George Milton and Lenny Small, two displaced migrant ranch workers during the Great Depression in California. Despite their apparent differences, the two men are deeply bonded and rely on each other for companionship and support. 
Then a fella ends tragically when Lenny, a simple-minded man with a love for soft things, accidentally kills a ranch owner's wife while trying to touch a soft dress, and George is forced to make the difficult decision to euthanize Lenny before he can be punished for the crime. That's fantastic. However, there's some words in there that are quite big, and my teacher would be quite suspicious that I copied and pasted it. So I'll ask, can you summarise Of Mice and Men simply? Of Mice and Men is a story about two ranch workers, George and Lenny, who are travelling together and looking for work during the Great Depression. Lenny is a large, simple-minded man with a love for soft things, and George is his caretaker and protector. Despite their differences, the two men are deeply bonded and rely on each other for companionship and support. However, their relationship is ultimately tested when Lenny accidentally kills a ranch owner's wife, and George is forced to make a difficult decision to protect Lenny from the consequences of his actions. That's more like it. Now my homework's done, I think I just bought myself some more time on my games console. As always, I'd love to hear what you want to know about tech. Let us know at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hi, welcome back. Um, we are currently in a conversation with uh, Kat Caccini um, from uh, Rise Magazine and NetSupport, and we're talking about uh, personal relationships and the effect that teaching has on them. So we were just at the point in the conversation, this one's a pre-recorded one for me, um, to discuss exactly how you can manage or tricks you can use to manage uh, the way that you go out um, with your teaching schedules and I was talking about a little app that you can use I've just tweeted it out to um, be able to manage how long you've been sat working I think we all do that don't we so you sit down to do some marking and then you look up and it's been like five hours so um, we're just going to pick the conversation up there so uh, messages or answer some of the polls that we've got out there or if you're on catch-up I think they're still probably out there on TT radio so um, let's have a listen and see where we're at especially if you're a teacher if you sat down marking or you're doing you know all of your data and mm-hmm. you've been there five hours after your full day of teaching you know yeah. just to keep track of how long you've been there um, yeah because I think that's one of the worst things that we do I don't think it's necessarily the hours we teach mm. I mean did you see that in the research was it much more the hours that are planning and less the hours in front of kids yeah, it was it was definitely not the actual time where we're actually teaching. It was all of the kind of other aspects. So it was the planning, the data, uh, resources, like everything that is outside of those school hours was the main problem. And what really worried me is the lack of support that teachers felt they had from their actual schools. Yeah. So, you know, so over half of them said they don't feel they have any support from their schools that helps them specifically with their relationships, you know, by either helping them with their mental health or well-being so that's really concerning and obviously you've shared some really great advice but those are all like your own tips and yeah out there are, that schools aren't really kind of sharing their ways to do it I and think... Alistair was looking saying that um when he was sharing his advice Alistair Bailey um you know him I think you spoke I'm sure that when you yeah, spoke I with um, Jez you spoke about Alistair Bailey he works with UHQ mm-hmm. um he was saying that how schools have got to help like with healthy boundaries they have to help teachers establish those boundaries um you know because once they've kind of shared all those ways and they stop kind of rewarding them having unhealthy boundaries then that will make a really big impact as well it's not a great example is it really no (laughs) i mean i'm all about the example and it's not really a great one um i don't think for us to be setting for each other or setting for kids Mm um you know to 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 have this i mean this report as i said it's shocking in places guys so you really do want to read it some of the some of the the lack of support is profound Mm. 
Um, but, you know, I, I, I get that from personal experience when you're having a, a hard patch in a personal mm. relationship or, you know, your marriage has collapsed or things have been particularly difficult or your relationships come to an end or something drastic's happened. You know, um, you know my, my husband had a heart attack in my first years of teaching oh, and um, I remember quite significantly ringing and taking a few days off. But mm. I was I was there during that, so I gave CPR. He's obviously fine. He had a stent put in, mm. but it it did it didn't just shake me. It's you know it really got me like, like yeah, really course. really severely. And we'd been married all of two weeks. Oh my goodness, that's so. Yeah, it was. It was quite shocking. Don't don't get me wrong, guys. I don't always have this tragic life. You know, sometimes I give these stories and people are like, oh, my God, that's so shocking. But, like, my life isn't all tragedy. But I'm just very honest and open with it. Um, uh, Yeah, I'm very open and honest with it, as you know. Mm. Um, And I remember about a week later, um, a teacher asked me um, whether my husband was okay to carry on considering to do the... um, the, um, Oh, what do I want to say? The parental boards that we have. Oh, you know what? It's gone from my mind now because I got upset about that. Um, yeah, you know what I mean. It was. Yeah. It was. It was. he okay to um, do school governor? Yeah. That that was what they said. Not is he actually okay? No. <laughs> could he do? Could he still do school governor? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. He is in the hospital. No, why would you even ask? That's what's that's what's the problem oh. is, is that that would even be a factor that there was no. Oh, yeah. It was just it was the yeah, and obviously for me I'm quite blunt and frank. So I came home and I was like, oh my god! And I was at the time I was at home on my own because my daughter was in Iceland, my husband was in hospital, and it was just yeah, me. <laughs> and it was like, oh my god! And I'm sat there thinking to myself, did somebody just really ask me that? Really, really, and then later and how on, can you in that environment feel yeah. able to talk to them about how you're feeling and what you need. Yeah, I just, don't I take just it couldn't. Seriously. I just couldn't in the end. I no. just, I just couldn't in the end. And to be honest, it was, um, it was, it was, it was, you know, it was, a, it was a horrible period of my life, and it was, um, it was a bad patch, and you know, it was literally. I just I just couldn't even express like how no. devastated I was at the time. And to be honest, on top of that, as I said, when later on it, it became obvious that I'm autistic and ADHD, mm-hmm. then it became very clear why I'd coped so profoundly badly yeah. during that time. Because it's a very, very hard thing for any autistics and ADHDs to deal with. It becomes mm-hmm. just too overwhelming for us. And um, yeah. I just sat there and thought, where's the... And it was at that moment... Where was the support? Yeah, yeah where's the support? And about six months later, the Department for Education came along and shut my brand new school and announced that they were building a new school elsewhere. So we were all being made redundant. And it was around about then that I thought, I'm not sure anybody cares about me here. And Mm. honest to God, if it wasn't for the school that I moved to, I would have continued to think that. Yeah, the environment is so so big and it you know it's not to say that there are schools that are doing really great things yeah. absolutely it's more just that we're concerned that we're seeing such a high amount that aren't doing those things for yeah, and, and I'd love people to share what they are doing that is actually helping you know foster these relationships I'll say that one of the things that helped me during that patch was I had an epic two 
two department mm. heads who were phenomenal, phenomenal, and just held my hand all the way mm. through. And I honestly think that I wouldn't have carried on in teaching without them. I had a mm. great head at the time. Um, yeah. And it was like that made such a difference, you know, being heard, being listened to, um, being just like, you know, what would you, what would you need? You know, how, mm. how do we support you through this? Um, yeah. Those kinds of things matter, I think. Mm. And I think too often we how do I want to say this yeah because I've seen great examples and bad ones Mm. but too often I think you know sometimes we shy away from personal conversations about how our Mm. teachers personal lives are going yeah and we avoid it because it doesn't seem professional but Mm. to be honest sometimes I think that they really do need to just talk about their lives and much later on I took on an NQT um when I was when I was by that time I was I was in I was far higher up and I took Mm. on an NQT and he 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 suffered quite severe anxiety I've had a few who've suffered quite severe anxiety but this was bad and Mm. um the 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 school that was in just didn't suit him at the time we were Mm. we were we were trying to push through so requires improvement up to good I knew full well that the kind of pressures that that was going to take wasn't going to be good for him so I helped him reorganize to move to a school that was in a good position to support him Mm. and uh, it felt like a hard choice but it felt like Mm. the choice that kept him in teaching yeah I I didn't think he deserved to continue to try and burn himself out and and be Mm. that anxious and that upset and I just sat there and said you know what you need to find somewhere like this that is better suited to you at this moment you need a lot of support right now and you know I'm glad to say that he's still in teaching he's become a brilliant teacher but Mm. I think sometimes just saying either you know a change of school will do good if you really can't make it work or a step Mm. back or to supply or to to move to other choice um you don't have to always leave uh, no. Or just sometimes just to say, I'm going to take a break from it for 12 months and see how yeah. I feel. Um, I think it's normalising that that is okay as well, like yeah. you said earlier, that, you know, those choices are fine and that you can carry on working in education in, in lots of different ways. Oh, loads of different shouldn't ways. shouldn't have that guilt attached to if it. You, if, you know. you, if you come out and you don't fancy it, then you can find lots of other ways to to, to, yeah. um, to work within and around it. That's fine. But I think we've got to get away from this kind of, like, it feels as if there's... Yeah, like almost a shame that you mm. not. I mean, like seriously, like get over it. If we want more people yeah. to stay in teaching, we've got to move away from that. Uh, um, absolutely. And I think, to be honest, when it when you talk about these things, it just does become profound how how hard it is for teachers to cope. Mm. Maybe we should be having more. Uh, you know boundaries more guidance, mm. not just for kind of well being. Like, how are you eating? Here's a yoga class. Yeah, like, it needs to be like ingrained in the school culture, not just that kind of those sort of tokenistic things. Yeah, maybe we should know. have more conversations about how are you managing, you know, mm. your um, your home life. How are you managing mm. your relationships? I mean, I don't know about you. What do you think about this one? I mean, as I said, guys, do read the report. But how do you find friendships in teaching? Mm. Oh yeah. God. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm on the spectrum, so I find it hard anyway. But, like, I found it near impossible because it was like you'd have the priorities where it'd be like, you know, especially if you've got a family, your family and your partner, and, like, and teaching ends up at the top of the pile. Then your partner and your family end up, 
the next in the pile. Yeah. So then your friends become the very bottom of the pile. Mm. And before you know it, you've kind of you look around and you're like, you know, you're like me, where your husband's just had a heart attack and you sat there on your own thinking, mm. where did everybody yeah, go? And like, yeah. You know, I had to ring my mother. Don't worry, I got looked after well. But yeah. it's like, no, I know what you mean. There, it's very true, and it feels like your friends end up being people that you only see during the holidays, except not really because they're working during yes. the holidays, so it doesn't quite pan out. It's, yeah, yeah, you don't get to see difficult. them in the week because you're too busy and if it's in term yeah. time you're too exhausted to do weekends forget that kind of like let's go out on saturday night you know you've really got to gear yourself up to that you know you've got to like yeah. you've got to have at least two month notice before it even happens mm. and then but it's interesting because like so i was asked to bailey again and of course psychologists were saying that you need to develop reasons to stop working so stuff like that would be good for stopping working but you just feel too tired to be able to do that so it comes a sort of vicious cycle yeah yeah so and I, I do think that and even when you do so you get the breaks like mm. so half of the half terms you know let's face it we're all sleeping either sleeping yeah. recovering dying or sick do you know what mm. I mean or planning for the next oh term. yeah the amount of times you'd be ill as seriously yeah like me this like like seriously yeah do you know what like mean? You, and I'm only spending a couple of days in school a month but oh it got me anyway and it's yeah. like so it's like yeah you're either sick and then when you get to the summers you know quite often yeah. i'd find you know the first couple of the first couple of weeks are spent just recovering then yeah. by the time you get to the stage where you want to because you've got a bit of energy and maybe a little time and you could do it either if you've got a family you're trying to get away with your family to spend some time with them or yeah you know if you've if you you're trying to see your friends and people but you're right they're all in work so <laughs> so you end up like there's nobody there <laughs> And it's like, and then before you know it, you're into planning and then you're back in. So mm. I do feel like sometimes our, I, I found a lot of my friends have ended up being teachers. Mm. Yeah. Which then I think you talk about teaching. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. I think you're right. And yeah. it's like, why are we, I mean, don't get me wrong I have some wonderful friends like you in teaching I kind of like or are ex-teachers or are around mm. the teaching profession that yeah. I absolutely love and they're brilliant and they're great to spend time with but sometimes I wonder whether you know we do narrow our friendship groups down to mm. other teachers because they're the only yeah, ones we can kind I think of I've definitely got a lot closer to my like non you know friends that haven't worked in teaching or anything like that since leaving and yeah. I think that's just because of like scheduling and stuff you know being able to put work down yeah. and like finish work so having more energy in the evenings and at weekends and stuff to see people um I think I think really that is what it is I think my um my first year even with you know jumping in and out a couple of days a month uh, mm. uh you know and keep in mind you know I was doing a, a PhD um, yeah so it's not exactly as if it's not intense um yeah. Add more time to see mm. people, yeah, and more time to um be able to look after myself, yeah. You know, I know that sounds awful when mm. you know you say it, and it's like you know the it most does, intensive academic thing you can professionally do feels less intense than teaching, mm. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, and it it does, and <laughs> that is um, and I, you know I can't. There's no way around that. You know, no. when I first stopped, um, I'd just finished my part-time master's, part-time teaching, mm. and I decided to stop. 
and I decided to delay the start of my PhD. It was, I could have started in the September, but I delayed it until the March to mm. recover. Yeah. <laughs> and I literally spent like eight months doing very little. Um, mm. You know, I'd just been diagnosed. I needed eight months to just sit there and be burnt out yeah. for a while. And I just, you know, for the first two months, I think I just slept. And it was like, you know, the 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 exhaustion of continuously holding it up with no end in sight had kind of yeah. finally got to me. And I just yeah, made definitely. it over this kind of hump. And I thought, I just need to stop and breathe for a second and reflect. Yeah. I feel like sometimes we, we do our personal relationship because we... We don't get time to breathe or reflect on anything. I feel like yeah. it's always constantly putting out fires without quite the yeah. right equipment in it. That's a really good point. Um, I would be interested to know as well, actually, if it's so with kind of the, the negative impact on personal relationships, if it actually is more substantially when you're looking at like neurodivergent people as well. Because yeah. obviously, you know, if you need more time, like you were saying, to be able to process things and stuff like that, it just feels like it's going to be so much harder to foster relationships yeah I think it's I think it's I think it probably is the answer you're probably Mm. going to get back although please give us a shout is probably a definitive yes um Mm. but that's why I think a lot of uh, neurodivergent teachers do burn out you the rate of burnout is so high for us um, and it's a shame because they're the perfect role models for the many neurodivergent children in the school you know so, I know, and it's, so it's you know, we spend all this time desperately trying to accommodate neurodivergent children to get the best out of them, but we can't even but accommodate so. our neurodivergent yeah. staff, you know, and that yeah. tells you, you know, I often say you're almost like the canary in the coal mine if mm. you or if you, you know, you, you're autistic, because if you find it hard, then you can guarantee everybody else is finding it hard. So, yeah. you know, if I if I find a working environment too intensive, I know that mm. everybody else is finding it too intensive, too. It's just mm. I'll find it too intensive earlier. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it'll yeah. be harsher. The consequences will be more difficult. So, you know, it it makes me look at it and go, is this suitable? It's an issue. You know, there's yeah. an issue there. And I think for... Well, they've done research, haven't they, though, that's shown that if you kind of... So if you are supporting as much, like, kind of diversity as possible, if you're supporting, like... The kind of the more whatever the most extreme kind of individual need within your workplace is it benefits everyone oh yeah yeah it's you the know, same as like point. teaching send doesn't it you know you adapt your classroom yeah. for it it benefits everybody so you yeah. know there's the certain tactics you can put in that definitely benefit everybody through what was the kind of advice that you ended up kind of because you've got a little guidance here on you know what kinds yeah. of things you can do to try and you know manage your personal relationships a bit more um and set those boundaries a bit better for teachers so what kinds of things did you learn over this this report that you thought you know what we should all be trying to do this yeah so are you thinking kind of like individuals or schools schools in general I think because I think as individuals we can all kind of reflect on our own individual circumstances but I think as schools you know we do need to start thinking as a as a group you know, we talk yeah. about schools as communities all the time. Um, in our community, you know, we're not really, we're not really looking after all of our community, are we? No, <laughs> you know what I mean? exactly. We've got certain aspects of the community that we look after and the others that we don't. It's like, you know, the old airline adage, you know, put your face mask on before helping others. You know, I, I, do, I think at the moment we, we're probably all starving of oxygen, but all our yeah. students are getting as much as they can. And I don't think that is sustainable. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, yeah. you know, what do you think schools could do to change this mm. uh, obvious yeah. um, massive problem with teachers and managing their personal lives and mm -hmm. managing their emotions within schools? It really is. Yeah, I mean, there were like 77% that said that they have struggled or are struggling to manage their relationships while teaching. So that is huge. Um, so with schools, there were, there were quite a few things that came up. So one of the main things, like first of all, was that they need to actively monitor mental health, well-being and stress. So actually being proactive about it, seeing what the factors are and addressing them. Um, having wellbeing policies that staff are actually involved in creating. Mm -hmm. um, another huge one was ditching data-related performance targets. There are still far too many schools doing this mm. and it's just an extra accountability stress for teachers and it's just it's just not helpful and it's not most of the time it doesn't make any sense because you know it's not about getting pupils it shouldn't be about getting pupils to expect it or whatever it should be about helping that um, You'd be able to look at the kind of you know the detail in that if you can mm. answer it specifically to be able to say well what did our teachers think would help them manage their personal yeah. relationships better is it that yeah. they just need you know to be able to have you know an area where they could go to to have a bit more of a quiet break if they're just feeling mm. like things are going well do they need a yeah. bit more time off to be able to go to their kids you know parents evening i think andrew uh, Alan's yeah. said it in your report. Yeah, Alan just, talked about that, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, just going to really their own child's, you know, Christmas play, you know what I mean? You can't do yeah. it, you know, and, you know, just having the time to be able to do those kinds of things, you know, mm. may make a better effect on your relationship, you know, because oh, I think sometimes we don't, we don't break it down specifically. We just say, mm. oh, we need to talk about well-being or like yeah. how, how we're going to get better. And it's like, no, that's not going to do anything. If, if it was a conversation that consisted of we need to talk about how to best manage personal relationships. You know, yeah. We teach personal relationships, guys. We do. I know. <laughs> you need to do it for the staff. We do. <laughs> we teach it to kids. So, yeah. so it's not like... get those workload policies sorted out as well, help get get staff involved on yeah. ways to minimise work, you know, and also we should be looking at other organisations. So when you, we're not, you know, teaching isn't the only profession that has a big emotional investment. Yeah. There's lots of other public services that do, and yet they are managing things better when it comes to that kind of that cut off and those personal relationships so yeah you need to kind of have look at that and see where things are working well yeah I think you know to start rounding up one of the things that I wished and I'd said this with teacher toolkit when I mm. talked to him um when we did our our, our podcast on child abuse um mm. I wish that they'd have more um more help within schools for the emotional load that it takes to deal with emotional yeah. cases um yeah you know, that's really big, that's big. I, I just think sometimes you know i'd have students and, and, and i'd see the circumstances and being a, yeah. an abuse victim myself it'd just be so upsetting for me it'd not be for months. it's really and i yeah. think sometimes you know even if you, you you're not like you know um like me but realistically if you were just your average teacher the emotional toll it can take on you dealing with a, a child in real need is hard and yeah, absolutely. we don't really talk about that you know we talk about no. identifying you know mental health and abuse and how to safeguard kids but we don't really talk mm. about where to get support if you're the teacher um, yeah. and that 
you know, the amount of times that I've come home thinking about a kid. Do you know what I mean? And you can't talk about about it. And I can't talk about it. So if you had that support within school to be able to talk about how you're feeling, that would take a huge load off. Yeah, you must have had that at some point where you started Mm. to think about a kid and then you can't go and talk about it. Because that's horrible. Yeah, and you just got to sit with that. And then, Mm. you know, quite often if you're not safeguarding lead, you mm. you you're not you encouraged powerless to really, talk about you? it. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. not exactly encouraged to talk about it in a staff room, are you? So, no. so you what you do is you just sit with it, mm. and then eventually it just drives you insane. Until eventually yeah. you'll probably go to your safeguarding lead and say something like, "How is little Timmy doing?" Because I've been really yeah, worried. But that's yeah. the only time you've said it. But instead mm. you've sat with this thought for like I've done it for like you know two weeks worrying about how that's going and it's like um i've seen plenty of schools uh, um, that have good policies on keeping the person Mm. informed so that they're not overly worrying so that's a good thing i think that's really helpful and i I do remember a conversation with a child once where i I spoke to the safeguarding lead and then i remember just crying in the corridor for like 10 minutes i just couldn't it's just yeah and you know we, we are seeing more um you know there's been a big uptick in mental health issues for our young people we all know this everybody's felt it um and you know a lot of our young people are struggling and with the stresses mm. on the nhs and social care you know is virtually collapsed these days cams mm. is just not worth the paper it's written on no. most of the time so you know fundamentally we're having to deal with more and more of that more and more cases mm. where we are the front line more and more cases where we are the only one more and more where yeah. young people i um seen a few where young people are being referred to mental health services and told it's six months it's eight months it might be you know longer um, than that yeah i'm waiting um, mm. i'm pretty sure every teacher has had that moment of having to wait mm. around for somebody to help their student and yeah. when you're the teacher in front of them mm. you're, you're, yeah, you're trying your best and you know nobody I don't think we have enough emotional support there. I think it's no, just, we don't. we're just trying to be everything and anything at the moment mm. between feeding them for, you know, food banks yeah. and looking after yeah, their mental health. Exactly. And I can understand why that then has this knock on effect in our own personal lives. Mm. And you do, there's a lot in teaching that just can rattle around in your head. Um, not leaving room for anyone else no no not at all and then as I said you're right you can't really talk then so Mm. you know I'd point out that there's some good services I've used things like the the education support network or Mm -hmm. Uh, they've seen me through at least it's a free phone number guys if you're ever in need um they've seen me through a few um I'm about to have a complete nervous breakdown and need to leave teaching moments um, or moments where I've just thought I can't go on um, yeah. so you know they they've been really good but you know there's mm-hmm. there's other places you can definitely go to get this kind of support haven't you so you've got a little a kind of a little suggested list of um, some things to do haven't you from yeah. in your little guide um, from a psychologist and, and therapist in there um, yes just yeah, making yeah. sure that you can make sure that you can get as much healthy living in there if you if you go check the guide then it's in it and you know ways and tips in which you can get there you got from Alistair at at UHQ EQ and a lot of teachers have recommended a few bits but you know if there was a main point for things you would like teachers to start doing about 
maintaining the personal relationships and the mental health within schools what do you think it would be after you've wrote this report what's one thing we could all start doing that would at least try and take the edge off this because you're yeah. quite right in saying this is a, a damning conclusion really yeah, it's huge. um but after 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 doing this it's a brilliant report by the way Kat. congratulations on it but after doing it what would you want us all to start doing I think for us all kind of as individuals, I think the key thing would be about communication, which it sounds really simple, but it's just making it clear to those people that are in your life, in your personal relationships, what is going on with you and why you are maybe behaving the way that you are, like recognising your behaviours of stress or depression or and speaking to them about it because otherwise you do have this thing where the people in the relationship feel powerless they don't know if they're what's causing you upset or stress they want to help they don't know how to think just trying to maintain that communication with them of look you know I've just had a really rubbish day at school I need to just be left alone for half an hour just I need complete silence or whatever it is you need so I think just being more clear about communicating how we're feeling and what we need which I know is difficult but I think would have a much more positive effect on our relationship. I think you're right. I think it's um, critical. If you're if you're like me and you're neurodiverse, I have a big giant wheel that's up in mm -hmm. my kitchen that <laughs> has a big sign that says, I feel, that helps me distinguish how I feel on a regular basis, yeah. which I will tweet for everybody to go be like, oh, yes, that's how we do that. Um, yeah, that helps me just distinguish. The, mm. uh, one feeling from another so yes. that I'm kind yeah. of like if I'm stressed I know I'm stressed and not actually just annoyed or it's just a sensory issue or something else is going on yeah it just helps me figure out how so I can communicate articulately because quite often I think you can very much struggle to do that and uh, everybody can struggle to especially if you're under the pressure to struggle to communicate how you're feeling yeah. about things in school yeah but I think you're right I think that would be the key one also I'd like to encourage everybody to go recats report it's out in rise this week isn't it so uh when's the launch date of it is it today or tomorrow yeah so it is out today um so you can find it if you go to let me find what oh. the link was do, 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 do. so it's netsportsoftware.com forward slash I'm pretty sure it's relationships report, but it's not loading for me right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get that just a typical. <laughs> we'll get that link out and make sure that everybody's yeah. got it. So I'll I'll tweet yeah, it out as we're using new it. But research report. Yeah, so yeah, it's the them. yeah the new research one from from um, Net Support, and um, this has been lovely talking to you, Kat. I think um, you've you've made such a contribution with this. It's such a good report to read. Open that it Thank highlights. A need for us to all start talking about um, our lives, not just in teaching but outside of teaching. Mm. Um, just yeah, so I hope it sparks some changes within schools as well. Um, I think it's it's so critical, and you know, and it's going to make. I think it make a really big impact for retention for schools as well. So it is a, a win win situation, really. Yes, and um, we need we need, we definitely need all the help we can get on retention, or just mm. making sure teachers are happy and can stay. So yeah, you know, I really think it's a it's a crucial one. So please, everybody, read it. Um, I, I'm going to let you go, Kat. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Mm. It was lovely. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. So that was um, um talking about personal relationships today. So um, I, as I've done this on pre-recorded, I've been tweeted a fair bit.
been going along. So please do let us know if you want to um, uh, contribute something to the tweets. But we've had quite a few. I've put up a few polls to see what kind of things we're all thinking as teachers on this. Um, uh, more ideas than Mary, I was talking about um, uh, the idea of um, taking flexible breaks from teaching and returning to teaching or this idea of taking a break and then coming back to teaching. Um, uh, they said, I think to keep energised and keep the balance a break or a part-time role can help. Sometimes it's possible in the FE industry to link up with the industry you've worked in or how working in, but not always because it can keep people energised and up to speed with current processes. So, you know, if you're a teacher that's took a break and then uh, gone to work with industry or gone part-time and done a bit of work with industry, you know, let Teach Talk Radio know, let us know how that's worked for you. Um, also on that flexible working model, um, Ian Timbrell was saying, I'm doing exactly that right now. Um, my school, Ellie and governing body were really supportive, but it's not something that's done standard. So there were a lot of hoops for everybody to jump through. It's so common in other professions that it could help with the retention crisis. So there's lots of thoughts going around on this, on you know what, um, what kinds of things can we do to support teachers, not only in their personal relationships, but also in the workload? So if you're a teacher out there and you, 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 you've got some tips and tricks for managing that workload or emotionally or physically supporting teachers in schools, you know, at TT Radio and let us know um, and we'll get those kind of tweeted out. Um, you can have a look at some of the polls that we've got. I've let them to run to a day. So they're, they're interesting ones for us to reflect on as a profession. I've got a few questions out there on for neurodiverse teachers, for Senkos, um, on our friendships and teaching. You know, have you got enough time to see and socialise with your friends? Uh, I know in teaching it can be tough. So, you know, these are the kind of conversations I think um, Teach Talk Radio can 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 facilitate and all of us can have and, and talk about these kinds of things. Um, even if it's just answer one of the anonymous polls that's out there, you can find them on at TT Radio right now. Um, thank you so much for, for listening today and hopefully I'll be uh, back soon. But basically, um, you know, if, you, if you're a teacher and you're struggling, you know, please do uh, reach out, talk. My DMs are pretty always open. So if you want to have a chat um, privately or if you want to raise an issue or, you know, have a have a moment where you suggest something that the show could talk about, please let us know. Um, and I'm looking forward to, to listening back and seeing all your your tweets come out and, and hopefully have some suggestions on what ways we can improve our personal lives. Um, because obviously our, our lives personally are just as important as our professional. You know, if you've got a personal life that's that's in balance, then, you know, your professional life's going to work well, too. Um, we probably really need to take care of our teachers, you know, personal and professional lives and get that balance and maybe a bit more if we're going to um, really address the teacher retention crisis that we're seeing right now. So thank you so much. Um, and I'll look forward to, to from you soon. You'll be able to get this on catch up. Um, thanks. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.